listeners. Drew here, joined by Andy and John Casey, our uh, new fourth co-host. Not really new. He's been around for quite some time, but uh, officially a fourth co-host. I think we've said that several times now, but I'm just so excited about it that I want to say it again. Before we get started, I want to remind our listeners that we are the official podcast to the ACOEP, that is the American College of Osteopathic Emergency Physicians, something we're really excited about. And they have a conference coming up here in October, just a few weeks away. It's going to be a virtual conference this year. Please visit acoep.org to find out more details. And as a bonus, you'll get to hear more from John, Andy, and myself as we will all be bringing individual content to this conference as well as some awesome EM over easy sessions. But that's not what we're talking about. In fact, what we're talking about is procrastination today, which I'm doing right now because I don't want to talk about all my procrastinating habits. Mm, but to talk about procrastination, yeah, I, I know all three of us are guilty of it, although the two of you are much more productive than I am. Uh, to here to talk about procrastination and lead us through the conversation is our very own John Casey. John, thanks for doing this. Yeah, and uh, and again, still excited about being the uh, fourth uh, co-host. Definitely. Uh, looking forward to digging in and doing some uh, work on it. And this was actually one of the first topics that I had brought to the table. Uh, and I really got interested in it, um, partly because of El Pandemico. Um, it seems like for a period of time, all of us had all this time that was created and was reading all of these interesting articles and things about, you know, what people were doing and some learning new habits and learning new tricks and and trying new things and some people just stepping away and taking time. And then I read a really funny thing that this guy talked about. He was like, you know, um, right before the pandemic, I took a passport photo and it's been laying on my desk for like 10 months. And it is like, I, I need a passport. Eventually things are going to open up and I'm going to have to travel and I, and I need a passport. And I know that when the pandemic um, starts to get better. Uh, I know there's going to be a rush of people doing passports. And so I should, should get ahead of that. But why did it lay on my desk for 10 months? And it was all about this laziness of, um, I just need to sit and actually like take the 10 minutes it takes to fill out this passport paperwork and email it. And, and I was thinking about that. And then I started thinking about just procrastination in general. This is something, <laughs> Drew, you've already alluded to, but but we can all, um, I think everyone listening to this will at some point um, view themselves as uh, having something that they procrastinate on. And so one of the things that I started to think about was, is uh, procrastination a character trait or is it, um, or is it different? Is it like a thing? Like everybody does it but, you know, you have to be like epic level to be a true procrastinator, right, right to like earn the title. Um, so so is there such a thing as a procrastinator, a, a person that that does that? And, uh, you know, what do you think about that? Um, because, uh, Drew, you, you kind of alluded you're you think you're less productive. I would argue you're you're extremely productive uh, just seeing how much you you get done in your work. But um, I never would think of you as a procrastinator. Interestingly enough. Yeah, well, and and I think there's definitely a difference between procrastination and productivity, to be to be sure. 
Um, I think I'm easily distracted. So sometimes I'm not uh, maximally productive when I sit down to to do things, um, maybe because there's so much going on, maybe because I am trying to procrastinate. I'm not sure that I can tease out the difference between the two. Procrastination is an interesting thing. I think it's something, um, and you kind of alluded to it, 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 we have to work on it actively because I think the natural human set is to kind of delay, you know, until the pressure is there to do it. And and sometimes that's what it is, is that you need you need that extra stimuli of a deadline approaching or or an expectation of getting something done to to stop procrastinating. We we kind of talk about this in a, in in medicine in general. There's there's the proper amount of engagement. And when a project or something is way off in the distance, you, you're just disengaged. Now you think about it, but you're not necessarily ready to like full bore engage in it. And then there's that fine period of time where you're kind of properly stimulated to engage in it and do a really good job. And then sometimes we push things too far, which is the true procrastination, where you're overly engaged and stimulated because uh, the you know the the deadline for it is approaching rapidly and you have to get the work done. So I, I have a lot of things that I've worked on in my life to prevent maximal procrastination, um, but procrastination still exists. And I know you you kind of talk a little bit about uh, the concept of the alarm clock about snoozing all the time. Yep. And uh, that's, that's one change in my mindset. Um, I think uh, you and Andy know, and, and some of our listeners know I'm a pretty avid runner and, and I run early in the morning with another group of people. And I used to like the snooze button. Um, now I don't use it and I don't use it hardly at all in the mornings to wake up. And it almost sets me off on the right foot in the day to just say, Hey, I'm going to, Nope, I have timelines. I have a set. I have a schedule and I need to keep it. And when, and when you start hitting snooze, you're falling off your schedule unless you build snooze into your schedule, which is a whole nother topic for another day. Mm. But it kind of falls into this topic for today too, which is kind of a fun, fun aspect of it. Yeah. John, when I thought about procrastination, like it made me all rem- remind myself all the way back to high school. You know, I think we all did this where, you know, we had a paper due and there was just the due date and then we'd pull an all nighter to, to figure it out and to do it or the same thing for a test. I did that a ton in undergrad, did not work in med school. Um, but I think that we've, we've kind of over time built some habits to where procrastination is built into what we do. Um, I know that when I prioritize topics as, uh, or prioritize events in my life, I will say like, all right, so this is how many hours I think it's going to take. Um, and there was a time where I would say that's how many hours it's going to take. That's how long before the due date I'm going to get involved. And of course, because of some failures and other things, I've, I've switched that around a little bit, but I feel like procrastination is, it's very easy. Um, I would argue that technology has made it easier. Um, I still remember the first time I wrote a paper in high school and had to be handwritten. And so like, I knew that my, I knew how exactly how long it would take me to write a thousand words. And so that's how long I gave myself. And then in college, when a, typing became a thing and computers were, were kind of, you know, uh, reintroduced into, into, into education, I would knew that it would take me this long to type one. And so I would kind of rebuild my procrastination timeline. And of course now, Andy, can we just, can we just pause there? How old are you (laughs) that computers were a thing in college? Well, and then what exactly do you mean by reintroduced? So, I mean, I don't, I don't think the listener, the listeners know this. Uh, I'm, I went on a two year mission where I did not sit in front of a computer for two years. We weren't allowed to use them. So computers were re- you were reintroduced. To I was reintroduced because you yes. were removed from because I was removed uh, from electronic environment. Yeah, yeah, not yes. So, but I did not have a computer at my house um, when I was in high school. My parent, my parents, we went to the library to use a computer. We went to school to use a computer. My dad had a laptop. It was very clunky. Um, so I hand wrote most of my papers. 
And then when I did my first semester of college, I had a computer at the school. And then for two years, I did I wasn't on a computer for two years because uh, I just yeah. hand wrote letters every week. But and then I was reintroduced to computers. Not that like computers were. This I, I do remember before. getting my first laptop as I was headed off to undergrad, and I mean, it was the first laptop in our house. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. And yeah. the um, the Wi-Fi card that you had to put into it was about mm-hmm. as big as the laptop itself, which was by no means small. Yeah, may I, <laughs> to be clear, and and John, I imagine you being just a couple years older than us. Uh, I mean, that wasn't really even a thing, probably when you were an undergrad. Uh, interestingly, my first year of undergrad at Virginia Tech, like a well-known engineering computer forward-thinking school, um, th- my first year there, uh, you still couldn't register for classes online. You had to like do a bubble card and go to specific designated stations where they had hardwired terminals where a person was allowed to touch the keyboard and enter your data. And that was how you registered for classes. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a, it was a huge, it was a huge thing. So that sounds yeah. very technologically advanced. I mean, my small liberal art school, uh, I, I remember standing in line at the registrar's office. Mm-hmm. handing in my, these are, this is what I want to take and them looking through and seeing if the classes were full or not. Yeah, well, to tell you though, my, my roommate had an inkjet color printer, which was the first color printer I'd ever seen. The first real non dot matrix printer I'd ever seen. And it cost $700. Um, yeah. so yeah. So if you're listening <sighs> to us and you were born after 1995, we, we are kind of old. Um, yeah. But, but and, and we're very much procrastinating about the topic of procrastination. Mm-hmm. But, but I think technology is yeah. fed into this a little bit, right? Because now we've got smartphones and we've got tablets. We've got all these ways to connect with our projects to where they add this little layer of, well, I can, I can just dictate that later. Or it makes it to where, you know, just sit down and do the work and get it done. Um, but technology has amplified this, I think. So. For sure. And that was one of the things that I noticed because much like Drew, I uh, got away from the snooze button. I used to be a master level snoozer. I would actually build extra time in just to have the pleasure of hitting the snooze button, knowing that I would have some time built into the day. Uh, and then I finally realized what a ridiculous concept that was for me and uh, stopped that. And I don't do that anymore. Um, and I rarely even have to wake up to an alarm clock, I actually fairly routinely wake up about the same time. So, so that's great for me. Right. But then where else could snooze sneak in? And I noticed um, that, uh, Slack, which a lot of people use for work, particularly uh, even more so during the pandemic and, and groups, uh, has a snooze feature. Uh, when do you when do you want me to re-alert you about that? And 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 it's funny because it's called snooze, right? The the whole point of it is to to put off um, the work that uh, is in front of you and to some time down the road, and so. What I thought was cool is I started to think about it and kind of started to dig in on the topic and do some reading. And you guys know how much I love the psychology and social science uh, readings was this, this theory of procrastination really isn't so much a character trait and uh, uh, blatant plug to one of our previous episodes on fundamental attribution error, right? Um, when somebody else does it, we tend to think of them as a procrastinator. When we do it, it was just us managing our circumstances at the time, doing the best we could. And so, um, but all of the research that, and it really has become kind of a key research area lately, 
And all of the research that uh, has been done on it shows uh, two kind of pervasive themes. And the first one is that uh, procrastination in most cases is far more about uh, energy modulation than time modulation. We think of it in terms historically of, you know, it wasn't essential to do this until now. So I'm going to, I'm going to delay it for some period of time while I do other things. And then I'll circle back to it. And, um, and when we think of that as time management, but oftentimes the things that we procrastinate on, uh, fall into very specific buckets. Like that's going to be a really difficult conversation. Um, or, uh, it's, I don't really have the knowledge to do that successfully. And I'm afraid that if I do it, I'm going to look like a failure. And I would much rather look like a person that didn't have the desire to do it than a person that didn't have the knowledge to do it. So I'd rather be viewed as lazy than incompetent. And that is a general theme that runs throughout the research. And I started thinking about cases where I do that and where I see other people do it. And I found that to, to generally be true. No, I think it's interesting because, yeah, no, because as you're saying that, John, I'm thinking about like, you know, as, as somebody in, in, you know, we're all in program leadership at, at, at our various institutions and how many times have we been in a meeting where we've talked about this, about whether a resident, a faculty member or somebody or, oh, they're just a procrastinator. And maybe it's, they're not, maybe it's, you know, have we looked at the problem? Was, was the, was the task more than they could handle? Um, did they, did we give them adequate resources to, to do the task? I'm like, so like to me, as you, as you're literally saying this, I'm thinking to myself, man, I got to go back and rethink every time I thought somebody was a slacker or a procrastinator because maybe they weren't, maybe yeah. they, maybe if I was in the same predicament, I'd have this, a similar outcome. Um, because it, it, there is an inherent way for us to, you know, put things off till tomorrow, what can be done today kind of a thing. And, and it's, 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 it's in, it's in human nature, but it's not a character trait. I, I love that you brought that up because I don't think that this is something we can peg on. Well, they're always going to be this because we all know that, you know, a procrastinator for one project will find their niche and then magically become this high producer just when they found the right thing. And so, no, I love that you brought that up. Yeah. And it's separating what I think what, what I wanted to go with this is it's separating procrastination into really two categories. Are you procrastinating because you're disinterested in it um, or you, you find that there is something else that you rather do. You know, for me yesterday, it was take a 45 minute nap uh, as opposed to the project that I was supposed to be working on, but I, I needed that. And, and that was, became a priority. So I don't know that we can really call it procrastination, although now I need to, you know, get caught up. Or is it because you're intimidated by the project that you have to do and it's actually causing anxiety and you are unable to actually get the inertia to get that project going because you don't know where to start. You, like you said, you're not the expert. It's, it's almost beyond what you're capable of doing. Both of them obviously will lead to the perception of procrastination either by others around you or the person themselves, but they're two very, very different root causes of procrastination. And it gets into that uh, same concept that I was mentioning before. It's, are you, where's your stimulus? Are you, are you understimulated? Are you overstimulated? Or when we do really well, when we don't procrastinate, it's because we have the right amount of engagement and stimulus for a project. We have the time, we have the knowledge base, we have the capacity to manage it. And then these things typically go pretty well. And I think the three of us can probably say as, as we um, mature in our careers, in our profession, and in our knowledge base, it becomes easier to hit that sweet spot in productivity because we have the ability to do these things a lot better. We, we know where to go to find the information. So there aren't too many things that are outside of our wheelhouse 
even if we don't have that knowledge initially, we know where to get, go to get it. But there probably are projects that we're just not interested in doing. And, and then that leads to procrastination. Yeah. And so um, one takeaway that I'd like for our listeners to, to just hang their hat on maybe and spend a little time chewing on it is when you find yourself procrastinating on something, just step back for a second. A, give yourself grace because everybody does it. But think about why you're procrastinating on that, right? Is it because you feel that you don't have the knowledge to do something that you need to do? Or is it just that you're just not that interested in it and it's really hard to say no to things and get things off your plate? And the second little piece that hangs with that before we move into kind of the final point about it is uh, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And that's one of the worst things about procrastination mm-hmm. is – and I've actually, um, I will, I will rat myself out. I have this, uh, one thing that's hanging, which actually is going to be addressed later today. Um, but I waited so long to respond about something that I got into that incredibly awkward, like, well, now if I respond, they're going to think this, right? So I'm writing this story about what the other person is going to think. And so then I was like, well, maybe I need to wait longer to do this. Because then it seems like I was just really busy, right? So, and I think uh, I feel that way. I know other people have done that because we've talked about, you know, how, like how soon you respond to something or how quickly or, or if you don't respond to something that silence lets other people write the story. But it does become this self-fulfilling thing. And you would, you would rather, um, you would rather deal with the negative feelings of not having addressed it than just tackling it. And that's, that's where, um, that's where we really have to pay attention because you can really free up some of your, um, energy paying attention to that. Um, so the, the other part of this though, is one of these interesting things that I noticed, which is this whole risk reward thing. And more so about risk reward is, uh, punishment and incentives, And we have a society that is hugely built around this concept of punishing you for being late, but not as clearly rewarding you for being early. I changed my stance on this a little bit. There there are rewards for being early. Uh, You know, the old, you know, early bird gets the worm, that kind of stuff, right? Uh, And uh, Andy is probably one of the folks that I think of um, most often in my head as being like an an early bird, uh, early adopter, right? Like he... He is up early in the morning by hook or by crook, and he gets lots of things done. Drew, you do the same thing, but you do like self-care stuff first thing in the morning, right? You're, and so um, as much as I love you, that doesn't impact me quite as much. But when I wake up <laughs> at 8 a.m. and there's three emails from Andy, um, you know, date timed 4.30, 6.30, 7.30, um, you know, he's already out and uh, doing things. Um, that are impacting others. And, and my thought about it though is, uh, like our tax system, right? You, you're one day late paying your taxes. There's a 5% penalty. Mm-hmm. You pay your taxes in February. It's not like you get 2% back. Yeah. Um, and, you and so get penalized for paying your taxes too early because you yeah, lose interest on Because you lose you, interest. Uh, yes. That you sent them. And so think about that in terms of some of the things we deal with every day in emergency medicine, hospital metrics, for example. Um, I will say that there are times where I've gotten a, an attaboy for getting somebody to the cath lab really quickly, mm-hmm. for example. Um, however, uh, 
I more often hear about if I haven't met a metric, right? A, yeah. a punishment rather than an incentive um, for doing things right the 90% of the time. And Drew, you and I've talked about this a lot, the, the concept of maybe we should be moving away from this idea of, of averages and look at uh, response rates, like 90% of the time we get this right. So now we can focus on the 10% that we don't meet what we're doing and figure out how to fix them rather than feeling like a failure, um, you know. Yeah, and I would even argue that sometimes in healthcare and I guess just society in general, we even, I don't know, we even reward procrastinators. You know, I, mm -hmm. I just think of with COVID being as crazy as it is, you know, how many shifts uh, at my shop have had had to get covered or we've added coverage. And so we've said, hey, who can pick this shift up? And magically we just say, who can pick the shift up for regular pay on your day off? And nobody, it's crickets. And then it's, hey, we'll give you $200 to pick it up. But everybody knows that if they wait just long enough, they'll add a big enough incentive to where they can pay a lot of extra money to show up to work the same shift they would have worked. Or maybe why don't we lead with an incentive and say, hey, it's an extra shift. We're going to give you an extra so-and-so dollars for the entire time you're there. Just start, just lead with the incentive. That way it gets solved early instead of 11th hour. Hey, we have to have coverage in, in seven hours. We're going to give you an extra thousand dollars to work. Why don't you just lead with, Hey, we're going to, this wasn't, this wasn't planned. It's extra. We're going to give you an extra paycheck. We're going to give you extra in your paycheck. And I feel like that's, we see that in nursing ratios and in, in doc ratios and in, in, in doc and doc shifts. And I think it's just almost encourages people to, to be late and to not do things well, on time and not do things. I, ca early. I call it the over oversold airplane syndrome. Amen. Right. You, you are actually rewarded, no joke, just like you were describing, but this is the perfect, I mean, the perfect summary of the situation when a flight is oversold yeah. and they start announcing, hey, we're going to give people something to take a later flight. Yeah. You're, you're accepting inconvenience, just like you're accepting an inconvenience when you show up for a shift on your day off, right? Yeah. I mean, it's inconvenient. We, we enjoy our time off. That's, yeah. that's precious to us, right? Um, but the, the longer you wait, and it becomes riskier and riskier the longer you wait, but the longer you wait, the bigger the reward is associated with that risk that you're taking, potentially not getting any reward. Now, now, granted, the reward is that you hop on the flight that you were scheduled to be yeah. on, and so there's something to be said there, but but it is a very psychologically interesting thing, right? And and that initial offer is never the offer you should jump on, right? You got to wait till at least around two or three of the yeah. the oversold flight offer, just like the shift offer, um, and and other things in life. And and procrastination. So now it it encourages procrastination, just like you said. But what's the reward when I have a deadline for a paper, for a project, for a presentation, for getting my uh, you know quarterly report to to John Casey, uh, so that I can keep my job as one of his uh, underlings? What what is my reward for procrastinating? There it becomes much different, right? It, there is no reward. There, yeah. The the reward is is stress, is anxiety, is maybe me not doing as good a job as I can, and then we risk the thing that I hate even more than procrastination, which is the concept of good enough. And that's what I think really is the danger with procrastination is, is when you procrastinate enough for whatever reason, you, you let yourself settle for good enough. And, and that's, that is very dangerous. Yep. And that does tie back into this final oh, concept. Them. <laughs> this comes back into the uh, concept of perfection, crowding out performance. Mm -hmm. And, uh, particularly as physicians and, and, you know, I work with an incredible group of physicians, residents, APPs, students. I mean, and they are all 
super high performers. They want to do an excellent job at everything, every time. And that is one of the things that I see sometimes, uh, particularly in newer learners and, and, and folks that are kind of feel like they're earning their stripes is they're afraid to do anything because they're afraid they won't do it perfectly. And I see that myself in things that I worry about where I want to impress somebody or I want to come across in my very best light. And so again, I write this script in my head about what the other person is going to think. If I, if I turn in something early, that's maybe just good enough, right? So if I turn it in late, I have an excuse. Or if I turn it in right in the nick of time, I have an excuse. But if I turn it in early, I write the script that they're going to judge that as my final work, where in reality, in most cases, um, what I find is that that gives them a chance to review what I've done and help me make it even better to make sure that it met what it was that they were looking for. And finding that space is uh, super important. And so one of the things that I do now, and hopefully Drew has seen this uh, in one of the, in my leadership style is I actually build into projects, screw up space, space for procrastination, where we have the, the time for it to be derailed either individually or as a group. And that makes things so much better when you just build into it, knowing that people are going to make mistakes and screw up and not a hundred percent be on time and miss the deadline by a day or an hour or whatever. And you make it okay for that to happen because you already know what's going to happen rather than trying to make everybody um, fit into one little bucket of doing things a certain way. And that way, when there are those few, few things that really you have a drop dead deadline and you've got to get everybody on board, then they listen because they know that that is an expectation that is different than all of the routine stuff, which I try and give people a lot of power over to, to do their own way. So as we think about some of the wrap up points to this and and how we can take a lot of what we talked about into ourselves and and maybe procrastinate less because I don't think we're going to get rid of procrastination uh, overall. What are your take home points? What what is the advice that you'd give to the listeners to say, hey, here's some things to think about. Here's some some process improvements potentially you can make within yourself to to diminish the impact of procrastination. Yeah. So I think um, three take home points that I would give because we like threes in emergency medicine. The first one is we're all going to procrastinate, but recognize when you're just energy modulating, like Drew's example, right? I needed an app. It made a difference. I'm going to make space for this later, but recognize when it's more than that. Recognize when it's you writing a story in your head or feeling inadequate about your knowledge or capabilities of doing something. Uh, Number two would be Understand um, the impact of procrastination. Understand that that's just your choice to carry around that item longer than it really needed to be there. And then drive what you need to do to change that, right? Use that to get things off your plate that don't give you genuine happiness. And then three, um, build in the time and give other people grace uh, when they screw up. We know it's going to happen. So just plan on it. And, uh, 
I tried something a, a couple of different times and, and I've gotten a lot better at it, which is when I feel like somebody is procrastinating with something, um, giving them a, a gentle like email text in person nudge. And, uh, I usually do something to the effect of, Hey man, it got really busy here lately. And, and we had this thing that we were working on and I know I haven't been able to put my full attention into it. And, and I'm sure you haven't either. Um, we've kind of fallen behind. Why don't we regroup on that yeah. and just decide? And it makes such a difference when you just lead with that, like eh, it happens. Right. And then they don't have to come up with some story and keep procrastinating. Yeah, no, I really like the idea of that email having received them from John in the past um, <laughs> and also received the in-person like, hey, man. Uh, yeah, no, I know. I know, John. I'm actually haven't been avoiding talking to you for a week because I didn't <laughs> want to bring this up. But no, I love that idea of giving people grace because one, we, we all need it. And then so many times it's easy to get frustrated at people when they don't get their stuff done or they procrastinate to where it's just give, give people a pass. Everybody's allowed to have a bad day, bad week, bad month. Um, and yeah, it's what we expect for ourselves. So I love that last point. Yeah. And we've talked a lot about how to be productive on other episodes. So some general tools to maybe give yourself that nudge is, is using your calendar, using mm -hmm. functions or apps like to, to doist is one that I use and it, it constantly nudges me, uh, so that I have to consciously decide if I'm going to continue to procrastinate with a topic or actually get it done. There's lots of little tips and tricks, uh, that other people have talked about, but we've also talked about on past episodes. John, as always, thank you. This is uh, awesome. You do a great job with these these topics, and uh, you do a great job keeping Andy and myself from procrastinating too much. So let me just <laughs> pretty, say thank you. Pretty easy. Pretty easy. Thank you, guys. Much enjoyed it. Well, to all our listeners, thanks so much for listening to us. Please, please, please visit our social media sites and as well as our blog site. Uh, it is getting revamped. Uh, we're moving to a new platform. It's looking awesome. Emovereasy.com. And of course... Just a reminder, we are the official podcast of the ACOAP, so please check them out as well. Until next time, take it easy out there. Hey there, Emo over you. Wow. Nope, can't do it. All right, so you want me to do it? Is that what that means? No, I, got, I, I have one false start. Okay, it's not the Olympics. I'm not kicked out. All right. There's not a vacant lane. There's not a vacant Jesus. lane. Jesus.